0: This week, the Minnesota Medical Association has some tips for practicing good health during COVID-19. With restrictions loosening, more and more businesses are opening up. We take a look at how that may impact tourism statewide, and we get an update on summer and fall sports from Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference Commissioner Dan McCain. But first, never have there been times like this at the Minnesota Capitol, COVID-19, the worst recession since the Great Depression and riots over the death of George Floyd, beginning in the Twin Cities and spreading across the globe. That's what set the stage for this week's special session, and MN's Bill Werner has details of the swirling set of events.
1: Scott, this week brought, not surprisingly, continued turmoil in the Minneapolis Police Department. As chief. I am immediately withdrawing from the contract negotiations with the Minneapolis Police Federation. I plan to bring in subject matter experience and advisors to conduct a thorough review of how the contract can be restructured to provide greater community transparency, and more flexibility for true reform. Chief Madaria Arredondo said MPD will evaluate officer performance data so that department leaders can identify early warning signs of misconduct and intervene. And the chief pointed a finger directly at the police union for the current situation. There is nothing more debilitating to a chief from an employment matter perspective than when you have grounds to terminate an officer for misconduct and you're dealing with a third-party mechanism that allows for that employee to not only be back on your department, but to be patrolling in your communities. But Arredondo declined to say whether Lieutenant Bob Kroll should be removed as head of the police union. Kroll has not commented publicly, except in a letter to rank and file, criticizing the city's response to the riots. George Floyd's younger brother, Philonis, Testified before the U.S. House Judiciary Committee this week about the anguish his family felt when videos surfaced showing his brother's death.
2: When you watch your big brother, who you looked up to your whole entire life, die? Die begging for his mom? I'm tired. I'm tired of pain.
1: Floyd said people marching in the streets are telling lawmakers enough is enough. I
2: couldn't take care of George that day he was killed, but maybe by speaking with you today... I can make sure that his death would not be in vain.
1: Governor Tim Walz called the legislature back into special session to deal with police reform and economic recovery, not only from COVID-19, but also from the Twin Cities riots sparked by the death of George
3: Floyd. This call to a special session is not a call just from me. It's that primal scream you heard from people on the streets demanding justice. The governor
1: says police use of force has to be the top agenda item during the special
3: session. We have to tackle what scares people the most. um, the, the chokehold piece, how we redefine use of force, some of the training that goes behind that, and then the accountability.
1: House Democrats, with the governor's backing, rolled out a wide-ranging package of police reforms the day before the special session opened. St. Paul Democrat Rena Moran says her rural colleagues tell her how wonderful their sheriffs and police officers are.
2: They live in the community, they know the families. We probably go to the same church, but I tell you, That is something that the black community wants to see and feel too.
1: House Republican Minority Leader Kurt Dowd says Democrats added felon voting rights to the agenda for the special session, but so far have ignored a GOP-sponsored bill to help police departments get rid of bad cops. And Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said earlier that people should not expect reforms to be done in the next week.
3: We fully vet issues to make sure we get it right because it's not just for now, this is for a generation to come.
0: If his position
4: is that uh, he needs more time well they've had three and a half years and they've done
3: nothing
1: democratic senator ron latz from st louis park governor walls told republican lawmakers last week as the twin cities reeled from riots
3: you're going to get to see an opportunity how serious people are about getting this done yes or no Put your money where your mouth is and send it forward.
1: Before outcries over George Floyd exploded in the Twin Cities and across the globe, the initial reason for the governor to call lawmakers back to St. Paul was a 30-day extension of his COVID-19 emergency powers. Whenever a governor does that, the law requires the legislature be given the opportunity to override Unlikely in this case, because although the Republican-controlled Senate wants to do that, the Democrat-controlled House supports the governor.
3: If I wouldn't extend the emergency executive order, it's $50 million in federal assistance for the month that goes away, and we would have tens of thousands of evictions start Saturday morning. There is no legislative fix being proposed to fix these things.
1: But Republicans have a lever because Walls wants a bonding bill for state public works projects, not only to stimulate Minnesota's COVID-ravaged economy, But to help rebuild riot-torn sections of Minneapolis and St. Paul, a bonding bill needs Republican votes to pass. And House Minority Leader Kurt Dowd reiterated this week, no bonding bill unless the governor relinquishes his COVID emergency powers and allows Minnesota's economy to fully reopen. He
4: hasn't even given us the, hey, when we reach this many cases or this, you know, whatever. Uh, We've had no indication of what indicators will uh, tell us when he's going to end those emergency powers. Short of those conversations it's very difficult to to say, hey, we're gonna, you know, get a whole bunch of, of work done in this legislative
5: session.
1: And indigenous protesters toppling a statue of Christopher Columbus on the state capitol grounds this week Touched off a fresh barrage of rhetorical fire between Republicans and Democrats Protester Mike Forcia with Wisconsin's Bad River Chippewa tribe tied that takedown to George Floyd demonstrations And
3: this is an extension of that This is an extension of that This is part of that now The paradigm shift has started and we cannot stop
1: it. Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan said about what protesters did.
3: I'm not going to perform
1: for folks. I'm not going to feign sadness. I will not shed a tear over the loss of a statue that honored someone who by of his own admission sold 9- and 10-year-old girls into sex slavery. Republican Representative Tim Miller from Prinsburg says he fears for lawmakers' safety during this special session.
5: I have no confidence for my safety and security when I go to the Capitol. I think the governor needs to call the National Guard back and get him back into St. Paul. I'm not confident that we can protect the rest of the Capitol when we're going to be there.
1: Senate Republican Majority Leader Paul Gazelka said Governor Walls knew about protesters' threat to topple the Christopher Columbus statue and, quote, failed the state of Minnesota again, just like when rioters destroyed the 3rd Precinct Minneapolis Police Station and Lake Street businesses. The governor responded he does not condone what those state capitol protesters did. He says there will be consequences. However,
3: don't confuse the random uh, burning of a liquor store with an act of civil disobedience by indigenous people who have been speaking up for generations.
1: Gazelka fired back, quote, the mob mentality to do whatever people want without repercussion has got to stop. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters returns
0: after this. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. The Minnesota Medical Association is launching a first-of-its-kind practice good health program. I recently spoke with the MMA's Dr. Edwin Boganko about what practicing good health means amid COVID-19.
7: You know, Minnesota physicians are really trying to unite uh, so that we can empower families uh, to practice good health for their physical and emotional well-being, especially during this uh, COVID-19 era, where people are afraid to go to the hospitals, um, And so we feel that the need for safe care uh, and clear guidance has never been greater because as Minnesotans navigate the healthcare system in the midst of this pandemic, many businesses are opening, public spaces are reopening. Um, I think it's important for us to to still put out the message about putting, uh, you know, putting the health of Minnesotans first and and encourage them to practice uh, safe health. So this Practice Good Health Initiative is really to to mitigate against the confusion and fear that has prevented a lot of people from seeking ongoing and preventive care that is really needed to keep them healthy and by extension keep the state healthy. Um, So if you look at, medical clinics, hospitals, uh, other medical offices, gyms, restaurants. Um, how can we encourage citizens to practice safe health while also encouraging establishments to provide a safe care environment so that uh, our citizens feel comfortable uh, attending any of these facilities? So so the Minnesota Medical Association is supporting this effort through uh, practice good health initiative so what we're really doing is creating a source of tools resources best practice guidelines to more than 10,000 of our physician members and other Minnesotans that are seeking information about how to keep their their uh, environments uh, safe in order to provide safety at the citizens so in a nutshell how can we keep Minnesotans feeling confident and supported because of uh, the pandemic. And we think that our Practice Good Health Initiative is is really cru- crucial, not only today, but into the future.
0: And if we have listeners out there, doctor, who maybe uh, need to tend to some sort of... Uh, they have something that needs medical attention and they're on the fence or they're confused about what to do, what would you recommend they do? Uh,
7: well, uh, I think that uh, as we have... Uh, Established uh, telehealth, for example. Uh, staying connected to your doctors and your clinics is, is absolutely essential. If you have any fear of uh, seeking care for any particular reason, I think the systems that we have in place are well placed now to give a call to your doctor, and you can get the attention of a physician or a, an allied professional from the comfort of your home or the comfort of your phone. So really advise Minnesotans to, to utilize their existing access to their healthcare givers to continue to sort and of engage in, in, in ways to keep themselves healthy. Thank you to my
0: guest, Dr. Edwin Bogonko. He's reminding Minnesotans to wear masks when out in public, maintain social distancing, and if you feel sick, stay home and call your doctor. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The summer travel season is here, but not without some twists and turns due to the coronavirus outbreak. MNN's Tasha Radel had a chance to visit with John Edmond, director of Explore Minnesota
6: wanted to visit with you a little bit today. Uh, the summer tourism season is here and quite a different landscape this year with uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. How would you say the industry is holding up so far?
4: Well, you're right. It's quite a summer unlike any other in tourism we've had in Minnesota. And you asked how the industry is holding up. It really depends on what kind, what part of the industry you're talking about. If you're talking about Certain areas of the state, particularly where there's a lot of resorts and a lot of opportunities for campgrounds, it's doing quite well. People are looking for a little social social isolation, get it, getting away close to home. Uh, but other parts of the state that are a little more dependent on larger events and, and meetings in the metro area, in Duluth and places like Rochester, they're having a little bit of struggle. Lodging taxes down, and, and some of those. Businesses are in industry. Parts of the industry are hurting a little bit more than, than others. So it really depends on what part of the industry we're talking about.
6: And you know, when we look at the industry as a whole, um, would you? When we talk a little bit about the workforce, do we have any idea of how many people are back to work, or is that just really too hard to tell? Yeah,
4: it's a, it's a little too hard to tell in terms of giving you specific numbers. We usually don't get that uh, until a little bit later. Uh, but just anecdotally, certain sectors are hurting more than others, uh, and particularly, for instance, the restaurant industry, which only just recently came back, uh, and only now only back at 50% capacity. Some of them are not even open as of yet, and so a lot of those people that were involved in those types of jobs, as well as I maybe in jobs in a retail environment, which isn't necessarily directly or people associate directly with leisure and hospitality, but but a lot of those jobs, too, just have not come back uh, quite yet. So we're going to have to monitor that to see the degree which uh, hospitality, employment comes back anywhere close to the level that it once was.
6: And that's what I was going to ask, John, was do, I mean, it's hard for you to gauge, I mean, monitoring the whole entire state of Minnesota, but Any temperature on if folks feeling like these COVID restrictions are being lifted fast enough and strong enough?
4: Well, it's curious you ask because I just this morning had a meeting of my council, which there was probably 48 to 50 people from all throughout the state. And and they were – we had the Commission of Economic Development ask that very question. How are people feeling now that things are lifted? And I think the answer was relief. People were just relieved that they're starting to see a little bit of light Uh, before that. We weren't sure uh, when recovery or at least when any kind of reopening might take place, how they can plan for that. But they're seeing a, a little bit more uh, optimism now than 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 before. It's cautious optimism uh, to, to use a phrase. that's not often overused, but but still, people are feeling a lot better now than maybe they even were a couple sh- uh, short two weeks ago.
6: And then i um, also wanted you know I for Minnesotans putting it in the bigger picture, uh, the tourism industry in Minnesota has a huge impact on the state's economy, and obviously we're seeing those ripple effects. In a good year, can you tell us how important this is to the state?
4: Well, as 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 you or maybe some of your listeners know, tourism is a huge industry in the state. Sixteen billion dollar industry, over two hundred seventy thousand direct jobs, uh, and the majority of that uh, is 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 in the summer months. That that is this is our big season: spring, the spring summer. Uh, so, when our industry is feeling a little bit of pain, it. It it trickles throughout other aspects of the economy that maybe aren't even directly related to travel and tourism, whether it's insurance companies, lawyers, hardware stores, things like that. They depend on the healthy tourism economies.
6: And then for folks, obviously, um, many are going to be staying close to home this summer, and I'm, I'm guessing more will be planning staycations Any recommendations where to go, how to find out what's open, or I guess the the best ways of of planning your trip? Well,
4: when people ask, you know, what what there is to see and do, where are the best places to go? Often I tell them you should really start with the things right in your own backyard. It becomes almost a cliche, but we don't realize all the things that we have here in our own backyard. You don't necessarily need to go far uh, to enjoy a a little weekend getaway or even a, a day trip somewhere in minnesota so it depends on where you live but if they're looking to, to find out different things that they can do many of those activities being outdoors the hiking the biking uh, the boating the fishing exploring small small towns i mean you can go to our website exploreminnesota.com. but i do encourage people to to really call and to see in advance what's open and what isn't but they'd be surprised that there's just so many opportunities right, right here in your own backyard, no matter where you live.
6: And then, John, I want to kind of end it on this because I, I just really love I, I've been on your website. I go there quite often. And uh, one of the things that really stuck out to me was your true north isn't on a map. Can you explain that to our listeners?
4: Well, sometimes people think of... Uh in Minnesota, or they think of the term north, and more so than Midwestern. And, and yes, it, it it kind of defines us geographically, but it doesn't really – doesn't matter where you are. Your true north could be um, a river town in southern Minnesota along the Mississippi River. Your true north could be an experience up in the Boundary Waters canoe area. Or your true north could be just an experience uh, along the lakes – uh, on the trails in minneapolis your true north is something unique to each individual and it's something you can find within yourself and certainly something you can find here in minnesota
0: that was MN's tasha radel visiting with explore minnesota executive director john Edmond. for more information you can head to explore minnesota matters will return after this We asked kids what it took to be a dad. This is what they had to say. A father is always present. I mean, what father, what real father figure can you have if they're not there? In order to be a good dad, you need to
1: love love your son. You need to put gas in your car so you don't break down in the middle of nowhere. And you need to make them breakfast.
0: Yep. I mean, just to maybe um, play, like, a board game with me or to just stay home and play um, some video games with me. Just to do, like, that one little thing is what I really look forward to. I'm not asking him to be a perfect dad, but he should try. He's just a constant force in my life. There's no other type of love like a dad's love because it's not comparable to anything else. Take time to be a dad today call 877-4dad-411 or visit fatherhood.gov brought to you by the US
1: Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council
0: Welcome back to Minnesota Matters Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference Commissioner Dan McCain says they're hoping fall sports will happen in the face of the COVID-19 health pandemic MN M&M Sports Director Mike Grimm spent some time with McCain this week to discuss the situation starting with the tough decision they had to make to cancel the late winter and spring sports for the NCAA Division III conference,
5: yeah, it was heartbreaking. I'm, I'm still getting over it. You know, I think about those seniors, as you mentioned, that uh, missed out on their senior year, and uh, just the opportunity to, to, be in school to compete. And um, it was rough. It was. It's been a, it's been a long couple months. But I, you know, we're gonna recover. We're gonna heal. We're looking forward. We did make some rule adjustments to provide those seniors an opportunity to come back. We've. We're traditionally an undergraduate conference, and we lifted that rule to say, look, if you want to remain, get a second major, find a grad program within uh, that structure, you can do that, and we'll give you eligibility. We felt so strongly that we wanted to give back, uh, and it was so such a unique situation. So um, I think there's several of them that uh, several seniors that will be coming back for an additional year, and we're really pleased about that. But uh, it was it was tough. Uh, you never this is unique. We've we've never really gone through anything like this. Uh, uh, the whole world is just trying to figure out how do we handle this and where do we go next
2: and and as you now go next um, I know you guys have had meetings I know there was a big meeting in the middle of April you're heading into summer now Um, what does the fall forecast and clearly things can change you just never know but as of right now as you forecast and as you uh, hope and plan uh, what's the fall look like for the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference
5: yeah, we're we're optimistic we can figure out a way to play. You know, that's something that uh, as you uh, as you really noted, uh, everything's changing by the day and I'm working with the Minnesota Department of Health and we're trying to work with our members. What we're looking for is our our students need to be in class on campus. That is the biggest key for us at first is are they are they taking classes on campus? If if we satisfy that, I think we can find a way to play athletics. If we are remote distance learning, I'm not sure we're going to have athletics at all. Um, but those are the some of the things that we're taking a look at. We feel we're, all our efforts right now are going into, yes, we're going to play. And uh, that's that's what we're looking at trying to figure out, okay, if one team doesn't play, we're going to continue on with the season. Um, I think we're going to have challenges with uh, schools, some some schools starting early, early, maybe middle of August, and other schools may not start until October. And we're going to try to figure out how do we mesh those together to have a fall conference season. It's going to be a challenge, but we're up for it, and, and we're looking for to try to find as many opportunities to play as possible.
2: How um, does that timeline play out? Um, I, and again, knowing that things can change and, you know, who knows, it could, you know, a oh, crisis could hit overnight. You just never know. But assuming that, let's say, you, you're hoping to, to get the plan, is there a date at which you can say, or most schools will have to say, yes, we're going to either remote learn, uh, distance learn, or we're going to have uh, our kids on campus?
5: Yeah, we haven't set a date yet. Well, we're going to we're going to hold out as long as possible. We're bringing back our presidents together in mid-July. And we're going to take another look at it and see where things are at within our campuses and then also in the state of minnesota as you mentioned the you know we want to make sure it's safe and that's first and foremost what we care about and and their academics pr- uh, pursuit is a priority for all of them but we know that this is important. Athletics is important to those people that participate and so um, it's something that we're going to wait as long as possible to to make a decision uh, but our our next check in point with our presidents is going to be mid-July but I'll be working weekly with our athletic directors and athletic trainers to figure out how do we pull this off.
2: From within the conference you mentioned the presidents, the ADs, maybe even some coaches will have some input Um, and then you also mentioned the the Department of Health and the state. Um, Are you talking with with all of those parties? I mean the state could have have a say I suppose in 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 some of this even if the schools want to do something different uh, how how is that all meshing?
5: Yeah I'm actually meeting with all these groups uh, almost daily Uh, I met with all of our coaches team sport coaches groups last week and kind of give them a, a really honest and open uh, update to here's the process. It's kind of kind of what we talked about here today. Um, but I am on a working group with the Minnesota department of health to try to figure out how do we do this safely. And I think that's really important is to work hand in hand with our, our state governing bodies to, to figure it out so that we are in compliance and that we're doing it safe. And, uh, Ultimately, you know, we're we're charging our athletic directors to come up with plans. We're working with our athletic trainers, who really are some of the experts in uh, in this health and safety area, and then ultimately we'll make a recommendation to our president's council in mid May, uh, mid June, uh, July.
2: One of the marquee events in all of Division Three sports, of course, is the St. Thomas-St. John's matchup. This year could set the all-time record uh, w- with attendance, um, and obviously you're at the mercy of, of the health situation. Uh, assuming that goes, how excited are you for that? Uh, I, I guess it'd be one last hurrah here with those two great long-time Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference rivals.
5: What an amazing rivalry, and uh, I want to see it continue as long as possible, and so, um, yeah, I don't even—it makes me a little nervous to even think about not being able to play that contest uh in in november this coming year and so um obviously that's in my in in the back of my head but we're going to make sure that we're planning safely and, and making sure that it's safe for all participants, everybody. But um, yeah, I think you're right on that. If that game is played, we will set a national Division three record. Uh, we'll blow that out of the water because I think there's enough interest in there. So let's hope that we have fans that are able to come to our athletic events because uh, that, that we could play in that uh, facility and not have any fans, and that would be pretty disappointing.
2: Yeah, I mean, legitimately, that could sell out sixty five thousand people, right? I mean, if, if fans are allowed and the health thing is good, um, if, if that could be the last time they play, I I could see people from all over the country, Uh, I mean, half the state of Minnesota will want to go to that.
5: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, if you look at two years ago when uh, when we played at the Twin Stadium and then uh, last year at the Minnesota United Stadium they're filling it up and it is uh there's there's so much passion surrounding that game and it's it's not just uh people from those two institutions st john's and st thomas it is just a a really good contest and two great schools fighting out uh, battling it out on the football field so let's hope that uh we're going to be in position to pull that off uh you know, in a couple months here. Uh, it would be so exciting. We've done some uh, a lot of business here over the last couple of years, uh, some, some exciting, some that uh, I know it has upset some people, and uh, we're, we're trying to gain uh, confidence and move forward here, and I think we have a really bright future ahead of us for the MIC and, and our members, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, getting back on the fields and uh, playing this fall.
0: That's MIAC Commissioner Dan McCain and MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm. That's going to do it for us for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.